Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. I do want to spend some time on the transmission of the biblical text. This is something that people say, oh, we don't have, we can't have the Bible today. It's just not so. After all, it's been translated so many times and after so many hundreds of years. And that's why I've given you in the handout, looks like that, it's on the back of the notes. And it is under theology for today and bibliology. But I wanted you to see some of the different ancient writings that no one ever says, oh, Aristotle didn't write that. However, by the way, earliest manuscripts that we have of Aristotle were 1,400 years after he wrote. 1,400 years after Aristotle wrote. We have five copies from Aristotle. Now, if you pick up a book, and you begin to read Aristotle, nobody is arguing. Oh, that's not the words of Aristotle. Even though it was 1,400 years later. And look at all of the different ancient writings that we have. And then you can see how long it was after. It's not uncommon. Here's one. Uh, Horace was only 900 years after his writings. Here's Pliny the Younger, 750 years the Bible, in the earliest manuscript that we have of the Bible, was written in A.D. 125. You see, not even 50 years or 75 years after the time of Christ. Do you realize that we have almost 25,000 writings, manuscripts? Now, the earliest is what they call P52, and it's about a credit card size, and it's got two different portions of the book of John. It's only about that big. It's so close to the times of the apostles. It's a phenomenal thing, because God supernaturally has kept, and understand, especially in writing the New Testament, the Romans hated Christianity. And one of the things that they wanted to do was to destroy any of their writings. So they said that if they found any writings that the Christians held to being Scripture, they wanted it destroyed. So think about that in such a, an area where such persecution was being pushed on them that we have so many early copies of the New Testament. So many copies and fragments in some parts that some would say, well, after so long, how do we know that these things are true? And let me tell you, if you had a puzzle and you had a 10,000-piece puzzle, what would have happened if you only had 9,999? That's right. Pretty frustrating, huh? Pretty frustrating. You got it all together. But let me tell you that that's not the case with the Bible. We have... 
The 10,000, and maybe you want to say it like this. This is the way many bibliologists express it. We have 10,010 pieces. We have all of the pieces of the Bible. And some would say, well, there was a little bit extra something here or there. And you might say, Brother Paul, what are you talking about? Well, let me just show you in evidence. Let's look over to 1 John chapter 5. And I'll show you why some say, wait a minute, and I'll explain how this happened. Because in your Bible, and it may depend on which version you're reading. If you have King James, and I'll explain why this is. But I want to give this to you so that you'll understand that there are those that will say, wait a minute, your Bible is not accurate. But I will tell you that it is accurate, that we have all of the Word of God, and that it is immeasurably superior to all other literature that was out there. In 1 John chapter 5, let me read 6, 7, and 8. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now maybe your version left out verse 7. Maybe your version didn't say there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Why is that? The reason is we don't find that in the earliest manual. We don't find that until the 14th century. How did that come to be placed in the authorized version in the King James? Well, it's because there was a man by the name of Dicidrius Erasmus. I massacred his first name. And he was a Catholic priest. And he was a Renaissance man, a, a phenomenal man. But he was putting together a Greek text. And he was drawing from all of the different Greek texts and manuscripts that he could get. And someone said, this needs to be included. And he said, well, bring me a Greek text that has that, and I'll include it. Someone brought him a Greek text, one Greek text, that was found late, like I said, the 14th century. And so therefore, he included it in the Greek New Testament that he was compiling. He had to get it done. It was going to a publisher. It had to get printed. This is the time of the printing press. And this is where, because there are so many Bibles now that are beginning to be translated, we have the Tyndale Bible, the Matthews Bible, the King James Authorized Version. We have the Geneva Bible and Matthews. Did I say Matthews Bible? All of these Bibles that were being now translated into English, the translators needed to have the Greek text text. And so, because he found one Greek text, he included it. So does that mean that that's not in the Word of God? Not at all. Not at all. I've said all of that because sometimes college professors will come back and say, look, your Bible isn't correct. That's why I want you to be aware of these things. That's why I want you to know what is there. And that there was some question, now does that mean that that isn't the Word of God? Or does that mean that it was something added? It means that we have all of the Word of God and that they were so careful they did not leave out anything that may have been. 
Does that make sense to you? They wanted to make sure that if that was in the original, that you got it. And that's why it's there. It's not in the earliest manuscripts, but it is in some. And they thought, well, we don't want to leave something out that might have been the Word of God. And so it was, they were very careful. I could go on and on. As a matter of fact, there's some interesting debates. If you are interested, you can listen to all kinds of debates on that. But it's so amazing that the way that we have gotten the Word of God, that we have all of these fragments and all of these portions, and they agree. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. Now, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, it's an amazing thing because there in 1945, an Arab boy throwing rocks into a cave and he hears something break. So he climbs up there and he finds all these jars and he finds within those jars ancient writings. And in the ancient writings, find the whole book of Isaiah. They find the book of Jeremiah. Do you realize that the ancient scriptures that we have of Isaiah that were copied about 1000 AD, these that were written before the time of Christ from the Dead Sea Scrolls, there are nine variant readings. Over a thousand years and nine variant readings. What does that mean? It means that somebody left off a period. Somebody didn't cross a T. It means that the word light has now been spelled a little bit differently. That's the difference. Nine variant readings in the whole thing. And the word light is spelled differently in a thousand years. So can we say that, wait a minute, this is a remarkable, a remarkable book. That it's just been so supernaturally watched over. The Jews watched and they would write and they would count how many letters over and how many letters down. And if there was some error, they would throw that away. Now in the New Testament, let's say that the Apostle Paul sending epistle to one church, another church wanted it. So what did they do? They quickly sat down and they made a copy of it. And then maybe another church wanted it. And so they made another copy. And you can imagine if we took every row and I stood up here and I read to you, and you were going to have to copy everything that I read, how many variations that you would get? Misspellings? But the New Testament was so amazingly preserved that sometimes there are just little misspellings, sometimes there's just little things here and there, but it is exact. And it is amazing at how all of that has been preserved so that we have the very Word of God. But there's something else, and I'm going to close out with this. The transcultural appeal of the message. We understand that our Bible was written in Hebrew, some parts in Aramaic, and some in the New Testament in common Greek. But as it is translated into every language, the message convicts the soul to change. 
It does not matter what language it's translated in. Do you realize there are other religions that say you can't translate this because you'll lose the meaning. But you can take and translate the Hebrew and the Greek and it still convicts the soul. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible's power to transform lives is seen however it's translated. It convicts, it convinces, it converts the hearers so that nations are changed. Any language that it's translated, the message is inexhaustible. There is that test of experience, and we talked about that last week. That because of the experience that people's lives are changed so dramatically, because the Word of God is alive, it is powerful, it is different from any other literature, because the Bible is true, it's reliable. It changes lives. And that's why when we have a problem, when we're going through different things, let me tell you how you deal with a problem. Get into the Word of God. If you want to, how, how do I handle something? Get into the Word of God. Begin to think and look at things as God looks at them. Begin to think as God thinks. Begin to see things from God's perspective. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the things of this world... The words of that song grow strangely dim. All of a sudden we begin to see things from a different perspective. But oh, so often trials, tribulations, problems, depression, all of those things force us in. And that's why we've got to be driven to the Word of God. Because the Bible is true. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. And if those things are so... If you're here without Christ, then it means that you've got to give the Bible a chance. And I encourage readers, people that are outside of Christianity, just read it. Before you throw it out, you deserve to at least read it. Maybe just start by reading the book of John. For those as Christians, then we need to be reading it and applying it and using it. It's not just a good book to have on the shelf. It's not just a good book that, well, we can pick it up on Sundays because that preacher is going to make us look and turn the pages. It's something that we use on a regular basis. We apply it in our lives. If the Bible is true and reliable, then we need to use it on a day-by-day basis and live out its truth. That's the experience that millions and millions have attested to. That's why our Baptist forefathers, you know, during the dark ages, 60 million of our Baptist forefathers gave their lives. And that's not even during the time that the Bible was being written and such persecution came upon the Christian churches. They would not recant because they knew that those things were so. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. 
that's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.